All right. So welcome back, everybody. Um, I wanted to start off our quarter today talking about Italy and some really interesting things that we uh, experienced. My wife and I were in Italy this past uh, break for our, celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. Um, so this is Lisa and I in Venice uh, on a gondola ride, very romantic, you know, the whole thing. They had someone singing on accordion, and it was really cute. Um, but because there's so many things that Italy was doing that Lisa and I found so interesting in comparison to what we do here in the United States and relating always to chiropractic. And one of those uh, first things was um, about the food. Uh, the food in Italy is very different than the food in the United States. Um, first of all, it is amazing everywhere. No matter where you go, some little itty-bitty cafe or some very fancy schmancy restaurant, it is amazing. And why is it so good? Because everything is organic. And why is everything organic? Because they don't do non-organic. It is not existed. There's no Monsanto-based food there. Right? There's no pesticides, no fertilizers, no chemicals, no antibiotics, no, no junk. They don't put anything in their food. So everything, like you eat a tomato and it tastes like the most amazing fruit you've ever had in your whole life versus some tomato that you get here just sliced on a sandwich and hardly even noticeable, right? It was so different there. And what was even more amazing is that gluten-free was everywhere. Everywhere, every restaurant, every little nook and cranny, everywhere we went, there was gluten-free everywhere. Here we have to like look up. Like I have an app called Find Me Gluten-Free. If you've ever, if you're a gluten-free person, you've got to have this app. It's completely free. Everywhere I go, it's Find Me Gluten-Free. And like any city we visit, we have to like Find Me Gluten-Free in the States because you know it's usually somewhere distant from whatever hotel or seminar I'm speaking at or whatever. Here it was. I just walked down the block. We were. I don't. Know, I should have a picture of it. We we went to this place uh, in Rome that was right across the way was at the 2,000-year-old Parthenon, which is the oldest complete structure in Rome, and across the street was this little itty-bitty crematoria that sold gluten-free, dairy-free gelato. And I'm like, stunned. Like, I can't find anything like this anywhere. Exactly. It was like, this is And that was amazing, right? To think that, that we are the ones who invented all this stuff, you know, all this, this gluten-free craze, but they're doing it everywhere, right? that we're the ones who are we're trying to feed the world, but we're feeding the world with poisoned food instead of doing the, what they're doing, which is real food all over the place. I thought that was really super duper interesting. The second thing was their thoughts about time. This is Lisa and I in St. Mark's Square in Venice. Um, so in, about time, it's, it's fascinating. You know, in Italy, there's not one alarm clock in any hotel. Not one alarm clock. Why is that? Because they don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. It's, it's, it, time isn't the most important thing there. You know what's the most important thing in Italy? It's connection. It's connection. It's getting to know people. It's relationships. Right? Building relationships. And how does that relate right, to healthy chiropractic stuff? It's not about the time. It's not about how fast you can get someone in and out or, or how much time you spend with them. Right? It's the quality. Of the time. That's what they're all about. So the, all, all the conversations that we had there were all about getting to know each other and connecting. And the, the Italians, another very interesting thing that I, I found out about the Italians is that they're really, really, really proud people. 
they are really totally super duper enthusiastic about their country. They love their country. You talk to Americans, what do we say? Ah, Trump this and Clinton that, this stinks and taxes and that. And their guy, these guys are like, oh God, the Michelangelo, the Uffizi, the Vatican, they're totally into their country. And everybody you talk to knows the incomplete history about everything everywhere because they love it. And they study it not because they have to or they're forced to in school, whatever, but they, they, they're totally thrilled with their pride, with their national pride. So you know, we're taking a taxi cab from Rome to the airport when we're leaving. And the guy is saying, and here's this, and here's this, and here's this, and here's this. And he's like happily explaining all these different government buildings and all, how old this is and this kind of stuff. And I said, how do you know all this stuff? He said, we all know this stuff. We love our country. We're so proud of our country. What a different thing that we can do in this country to be proud of our country. What a different thing we can do in our profession to be proud of our profession. Instead of saying, oh, the Gonstead people this, and the, this people that, and the Thompson people said this about the SOT people, and the, like, stop it, right? Let's learn from the Italians and start being proud of our, of our heritage. We should be proud of D.D. Palmer and B.J. Palmer. They're not trying to hide the Colosseum. You know what they did in the Colosseum? They were killing people. Right? right across the street from the Colosseum was, uh, was another uh, like smart Colosseum where they were killing people. Right? But they're not afraid of talking about it. They're not afraid of, of talking about it. They're like, this is what happened. This is what they did. You know, it was part of their stuff back then. That's how they got politics was, was everything you know, back then. And the way they got candidates like, involved with stuff is they would be going to the Colosseum and they would kill some people and then they'd talk. Right? And that was how they worked back then. But they're not trying to be ashamed of it. They're proud of their heritage. They're proud of, look at the Colosseum, we'll get to it in a minute. But look at this, this is like a thousand-year-old building, right? Name me a thousand-year-old building in the United States. You can't even build a house that lasts for 10 years. You know, we've been in our, we built our house brand new 10 years ago. And all this thing's happening with the fix and this and that. It's crazy. They built the stuff to last. It was totally amazing. Here's Michelangelo's, the David, the most perfect statue you know, ever. I have given you the clean version of the <laughs> <laughs> This is the only angle that was totally clean. I went all around Michelangelo's statue. And like, this is great. This is safe. I can post this on Facebook. Um, <laughs> uh, this is 17 foot tall Michelangelo. And you know what's amazing about this? Is and This is so beautiful. And this, this, is, this relates to chiropractic too. You know, when Michelangelo made the David, what did he say about the block of marble when he first found it? Carved the sculpture out, set the sculpture free from the marble. Exactly. He said, David is inside the sculpture. I just have to let him out. Right? Right? And you know what? When, when you're adjusting every patient, that's exactly what you're doing. Right? They're coming in as a block of marble or a block of wood or whatever. Right? And you are the sculptor. You are the artist. And you are creating the masterpiece that is in them. And you're helping chisel it out. <clears throat> Right? You're helping chisel it out. You're taking the, the perfectness of the David that is inside each person that comes into you, who are, they're coming into you, somewhat imperfect, and you're trying to help bring the perfection out. Right? So can you see how crazy my chiropractic mind is? Like every place we're going to, this is the stuff that I'm thinking you know, all day long. But that's what I saw when I saw David. Is, is I saw, this is what I do. Right? I am Michelangelo for my patients. I am Da Vinci. I am Botticelli. I'm all these amazing artists for my patients, bringing the best out of them. You know, taking Botticelli, taking this blank canvas and creating this amazing painting out of what he's seeing in his own mind, right? So we see our patients in our mind, and they're coming in broken in whatever way they're broken, and we get to be our, the sculptor, you know? And they say, well, how come this going to take so long? How long did it take Michelangelo to make David? Two years. Two years it took him to make David. 
How long is it going to take you to get better? However long it takes, right? This could take two years. We're making a masterpiece out of you. This could take some time to make you into a masterpiece. This is the Uffizi Art Museum, where a lot of Michelangelo's uh, smaller works uh, are, and uh, Botticelli, and a lot of other famous uh, works in Florence. And uh, it's just it's the, the detail. Like, if you look at the, this is another thousand-year-old castle that they made into a museum. The detail, everything, like every single thing has got this unbelievable detail, right? And the United States, what do we do? We're so into, like, everything looks the same. Every, like, we, we travel all over the you know, world right now, speaking. And every mall, every city, every airport looks the same. It's the same, 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 right? Why did that happen? Why did that happen? In Italy, every place is different. Right? Every building, every facade is unbelievable. The detail, the structure that they have is so magnificent to look at all the filigree and the fine stuff that they have. And they're telling us, they're, they're proud and they're saying, if you look at the bottom of each one of these particular windows, what do you see there? There's a hole. And what was that hole for? It was to pour burning oil down, uh, you know, down on the attackers. Right? So they, had, they, they designed these things. They thought about this kind of stuff. And they're proud of it. They're proud of their heritage. And they're proud of the detail that they put into this. <coughs> And then we went to Tuscany to visit some of the, some of the vineyards. Um, and it was amazing, because I had no idea that wine has so much science to it. Right? So they're saying, like, over here, this hill over here right, has a certain kind of grape. And that certain kind of grape lives at a certain kind of temperature, because it gets sun all day long. But this field over here that they just plowed down, that field there, it doesn't get the same kind of sun all day long. It gets less sun. So when they plant the grapes, they have to plant different grapes. And they, they harvest them at different times. And then there's another field back over here. And that field doesn't get a lot of sun at all. So they have a different kind of grape. And they harvest them at different kind of times. And they grow certain kind of things like soybeans in the soil. And, and then put it into the soil to add fertilizer into the soil. And it's, it's like, holy cow, I thought wine was just like wine. You know, it was just like red wine or white wine. But everything was different. And all these different, like... Uh, Shanti and this and that, whatever, all these kind of different things. Each one of them is growing a different kind of grape with different kind of seasons, different kind of temperature, and everything is measured to the T, right? So it was just brilliant how they did this kind of stuff. And you know what I thought was even more amazing was, was like everywhere we went, here in Tuscany, in the middle of nowhere, and everybody spoke English. Everywhere we went, there was not one place we found in Italy that people did not know English. Now, if an Italian person who did not know any uh, English came to this country, how many people would speak Italian? Very few. Why is that? Right? So the Italians, they know English, they know French, they know Spanish, and they know Italian. They know, at minimum, everybody knows four languages. Even the little kids know four languages like this. What is going on with this country where we're not learning that? And to extrapolate into chiropractic, how come you think that the only language you need to speak is Gonstead? Right? We need to speak every language that we possibly can, right? Because how, how do you know that one person comes into your office, Gonstead will not resonate with them, right? That will not speak to them. So they'll need to know, you'll need to know SOT, or you need to know Activator, or you need to know Torque Release, or you need to know Webster, or whatever it is. You need to know all these different languages to put it all together because that, they might need to have that particular kind of language. <clears throat> this is the Colosseum we were talking about in Rome. The Colosseum was the size of Philip's Arena. He used to seat 50,000 people, and it was built in 87 B.C., right? Think about that, and it still mostly stands today, 2,000-something years old, and it's still standing, and they held 50,000 people, and something like 34,000 people go through this thing every single day, and it's been standing for, and they've been doing that for years and years and years. 
Could we build something like that? And let's think about the architecture. I mean, this thing is literally the size of Philadelphia, flights and flights and flights high. Could we, with just rocks and pulleys, build something today like this? Probably not. Probably not. We need our nail guns and our cranes and our bulldozers and all that kind of stuff. They didn't need any of that kind of stuff, right? These guys were totally brilliant. You know what they were totally about? The Italians were totally about? They said, we don't like building new structures. We like restoring the old. We want to restore the old, right? And you know what that reminds me of in chiropractic? You know, here's my crazy chiropractic. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of, well, who are the chiropractors who want to put drugs in our profession versus let's keep with the philosophy that Didi Palmer, Vijay Palmer came up with 107 years ago, right? The Italians want to keep, let's restore the old. Let's strengthen the old philosophy. Let's strengthen the subluxation philosophy. Let's strengthen what Vijay and Didi Palmer talked about and all the greats before us. Instead of saying, no, you know what? That's too old, right? That, we shouldn't be, that's just historical documents, what some of these people are saying. We should be adding to our chiropractic and building these huge structures instead of, of talking about drugs. And I think that's totally ridiculous. I think we need to be thinking about our old, the old time stuff and restoring the old instead of rebuilding the new. <clears throat> This is the Sistine Chapel. Um, like Michelangelo's famous painting, where that everybody knows where it's the hand of God like this. That's just right here. That's right here. There's all these other frescoes that he painted. And it was amazing to hear the history from a, a, a tour guide from, you know, who's from Italian and loved this kind of stuff. He said Michelangelo hated to paint. He was a sculptor. He said, I just give me something to, to sculpt. But the particular Pope Paul Julius back then, the second, he said... You are such an amazing sculptor that I want you to paint this because I know you're going to paint it in such a way that it will look like it will come to life. And he was right, right? Because if you see each one of these things, each one of these things is like a biblical chapter of like the Old or New Testament. It is, the detail is astonishing because only Michelangelo could have done that. You know, four years in the making of that kind of stuff. The brilliance that he, that he had was absolutely amazing. And the thing that I thought that was so impressive with, about that, you know, chiropractically speaking, is once again, <clears throat> thinking about the detail that he looked after. You know, he wasn't just trying to slop something on there. He was drawing muscles. If you look at Michelangelo's David or at this, he was drawing muscles. He was drawing ligaments, right? He was drawing every detail to the finest that he possibly could so that it could be seen from, you know, hundreds of feet away. So you can really get that. And that's just totally amazing the way, you know, that he was thinking like that. How big are each of those, like, squares? Each square was probably about this big, if not bigger. It was astonishing. To be in the Sistine Chapel and looking up like this and to think that he spent four years lying on his back, you know, and a lot of times they say he did not lie on his back, even though that's what he was said. A lot of times he was actually standing up, painting like this. He really needed a chiropractor. <laughs> um, but isn't that amazing that the talent this guy had he was so way, way, way beyond his years. He's one of the few people, because of the Medici, who were in Florence, the main you know, people in Florence, he was able to dissect bodies. So he was one of the few artists back then, just like Leonardo, was able to dissect bodies. That's why his detail was so absolutely magnificent. <clears throat> this is my wife and I outside of the Vatican at St. Peter's Basilica. So this is about where the, like, when the Pope comes out and addresses the 50,000 people that are standing in this... Uh, in the square, that's where about where he's, he stands you know, to address everybody. Um, and the, the thing that was really amazing, you really can't see it, but uh, over here and over here, there's military presence everywhere in Italy. Everywhere. I'm not talking police. I'm talking military in AK-47 machine guns and wearing flak vests and having 
like Hummer, like armored vehicles everywhere, especially around all the special places like the Vatican and the Colosseum, that kind of stuff. These people are everywhere. They are guarding the city. They are guarding the airports. And we're so we're, we're talking about all the, oh, police this and police this, and we can go into all kinds of crazy about that. But you know what? You know what we need? We need more presence like that. Because I felt <clears throat> safe in these places. I felt totally, 100% safe, knowing that there were people with some significant weapons and some significant honor, uh, armor all over these places. I didn't feel in any way, shape, or form like out of ease seeing that. I was actually, in the, in the beginning, I was like, whoa. Like, I can't believe this is ev everywhere we're going. We're seeing people in massive amount of weaponry. And now I know why. It's because they want you to feel safe, right? What do we think about in this country? It's like this and this and this and this and pointing fingers. You know what? We should think about it the other way around. We want to encourage safety in this country and not have fear in this country. <clears throat> Another amazing thing about Italy is it's a walking city, right? If you saw a car, what kind of car was it probably? A Fiat 500, a Mini, right? Uh, one of these little smart cars. One of that. You didn't have these huge, you know, gigantic Cadillacs and monstrous Mercedes, BMWs. Everything was these individual cars, if you saw them at all. For the most part, all the cities were walking cities, especially Venice. Venice actually wasn't a walking city. Venice was a water city. You would walk around, but there were there weren't there was no cars in the city at all. Zero. None. Everything was water. It was water taxis and water buses. Even the, the all the deliveries were all on water, all on boat. It was amazing watching the hotel get its deliveries, and there was this little crane on this little boat thing, and it would just pick up you know stuff and, and take it back. It was totally amazing. It was a very, very different kind of thing. Interesting thing, if because it's a walking city, what do you think we notice about the people? A lot less obesity. A lot less obesity. I saw maybe one or two very <coughs> obese people. They were probably Americans. <laughs> right? Walking around. Otherwise, everybody was thin and trim and fit. Right? I thought that was fascinating. And the last thing I want to talk to you about, I think that was it. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk to you about is uh, the cleanliness. These guys kept the, uh, these places as clean as possible. They were cleaning. Like, did Walt Disney, one of my favorite, uh, you know, one of my heroes and mentors, because uh, I've read a lot of stuff about him, is uh, his whole idea was clean when it's clean. Right? You don't clean when it's dirty. Right? That's not when you clean. You clean when it's clean. So, which means you're constantly cleaning and then cleaning and cleaning. So in Venice, in Rome, and in, in Florence, they were cleaning all the time. There were people constantly, especially in the really busy traffic areas, there were people all the time, street sweepers and people sweeping up you know, people's garbage and debris, and they were really, really, really on top of that kind of stuff. And I think that all these lessons, like if you put them all together <clears throat> and you think about what this means to us as chiropractors, what it means is we have a lot, of, a lot of work to do, right? Because chiropractic is not really taking care of itself way it ought to. Chiropractic isn't proud of itself. Chiropractic isn't you know, really thinking about having pride in, its, in what we're doing. We don't think about our history and are excited about history. We try to put down our history. We don't think about the detail the way we, we should be thinking about the detail of each person. We don't think about the connections. Like the whole idea about food is not necessarily great the food was, but it's about how to connect over the dinner table, over the lunch table, over the breakfast nook. That's what we need to learn. That's the stuff that we need to take away you know, from Italy. Because Italy, not necessarily that I want to live there, um, but because even though it was, it was a beautiful place, uh, but I think there's a lot for us to learn as people from the United States and as, uh, and as chiropractors. And I want to share this stuff with you because I thought <coughs> this would be a great way to kind of open up our quarter when it was fresh in my mind. And uh, I hope you appreciate what I had to say. Um,
I, um, perfect.